Good day to you, and welcome to the podcast for the Union Street Meeting House. In this podcast, we will be sharing messages from our weekly worship services. Union Street Meeting House is a Christian ministry that introduces people of all ages to Jesus Christ and recalls those who once knew Him back into an intimate, vibrant, living relationship with Him. We are a house for Christian fellowship and personal growth. You are always welcome here at Union Street Meeting House. Let's go into this week's message right now. Amen. Well, good morning, and it's good to see you, and bless God. We're, we're so glad you're here. Uh, last week, I shared a bit about Philip the Evangelist and how he was led by the Holy Spirit to run up to a chariot. I like that. Hey, run up to that chariot. And there he saw an Ethiopian eunuch who was reading from the book of Isaiah, and we read that the eunuch needs help understanding the scripture, and Philip explained it to him. And we talked about how God will move on people's hearts, and the Spirit will go before you, and the Lord Jesus goes before us. And the Spirit went before Philip, and the eunuch was reading this scripture. There's going to be people in your lives that God is preparing and the Holy Spirit is already speaking to them and you have an appointment and a mission to go and help them understand. Why? Because you understand. Because you are born again. You have the author of life in your very spirit and that is the Holy Spirit. And so don't worry about what you know and what you don't know. Trust me, if I was worried about what I knew and what I didn't know, I wouldn't be up here this morning. And that's not a lie. But it's okay. We're going to do the best we can wherever we are. We're going to trust God for the results. Somebody say amen. Amen. And he runs up to this Ethiopian. And the Ethiopian says, "Uh, uh, I don't understand this scripture that I'm reading. In fact, Acts 8.35 says this. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning from this scripture, meaning Isaiah, he preached Jesus to him. He preached Jesus to him. We got in a place in our society where we wanted to be like, hey, um, me and Jesus got our own thing going and everybody should be just kind of, hey, that's their, that's their own religion. That's their, that's their own life. And we got in this place where we didn't really want to get out of any comfort zone to tell anybody about Jesus. But it says Philip preached Jesus to him from that moment on. And that's our call and that's our role. And you do not need to be afraid because if the Lord has gone before you, that's exactly what he wants you to do when you arrive at the chariot. So that scripture was out of Isaiah Isaiah 53. Now remember, the Old Testament, it is said, is Jesus concealed and the New Testament is Jesus revealed. And throughout the Old Testament, there is a, a red thread that runs through that that talks nothing but about Jesus. And if you look for it and you dig for it and you'll see it and you'll find it. And I certainly haven't found them all, but I love to find them. And Isaiah 53 is this big red ink blot back in the Old Testament. That's not written in red, but it's all about red. It's all about Jesus. And so we read this last week, and I want to read it again this morning. So turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. Thank you, Jesus. And it says this, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of parched ground. He has 
No stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. Now listen, when we're reading this scripture this morning, I want you to think about fast-forwarding 700 years to when Christ hits the earth. Think about this picture that's being painted of him and then how he fulfills that. If he came dressed and looked like a king, it probably would have been a different story, but he had no appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and like one from whom men hide their face. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried, yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken smitten of God and afflicted, but he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastising for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging or scourging we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him, to fall on Christ to fall on Jesus. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb that is led to slaughter and like a sheep that is silent before its shears, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living? For the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due, his grave was assigned with wicked men, yet he was a rich man in his death. Because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. If he would render himself as a guilt offering, he will see his offspring. He will prolong his days. And the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great and he will divide the booty with the strong because he poured out himself to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he himself bore the sin of many and interceded. For the transgressors. Let's pray. God, once again, we come before your word and your teaching. We ask that the Holy Spirit would reveal to us this morning things that we have never seen before. You will convict us, you will chase us, you will pull us in, you will hold us, and you will teach us your way, Lord God, that we may we may walk in uprightness. We bless you this morning and praise you, and we give you glory for your word, Lord. Speak to our hearts this morning, God. Let us not come here to be idle and to just wait for a, a day to get through. But let us be sober-minded that we might receive what it is that you have for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, I'm compelled a little bit to share probably a pre-Easter message. Easter will be here before you know it. And I'd like to get a little bit of a head start on it, partly because I just couldn't let go of it. I'm like, okay, God, this is Easter. You need to save this, Tim, for Easter. And, and, and I felt like the Lord was saying, no, we're going to press into this this morning. And so I'm praying that someone's here this morning that needs this message. Isaiah 53 was a prophecy of Christ written 700 years before Christ. 
One of the things that I love about the Bible is its truth of the good and the bad. If we were writing a book to tell all about the greatness of our new religion, we certainly wouldn't put the things in the Bible that's in there. If we were David, we wouldn't want it to be told that we were a, an adulterer and a murderer and that we hide, lied, and, and treated people bad. But the scriptures are true and they ring true and the Old Testament shows us things to come. And 700 years before Christ hits this earth, Isaiah prophesies about him. And he's not the only one. And for the past several weeks, we've been talking about how Jesus at the Sermon on the Mount preached the greatest sermon in history and how it was so simple, but yet it was so profound. We talked about us getting back to the basics and, and as Christians, we need to get back to the fundament, fundamentals, the foundation of our Christian walk. Last night, Pastor Bill said these words that we're guilty of building a second story on no foundation, on a vacant lot. We tend to do that. We've got to get back to basics. We, we have to be so rooted and grounded on the rock that when the wind comes, it does not push us over. A few months back, we read in the book of John that after Christ ascends to heaven, he sends the helper, the Holy Spirit. And we know that we live in a church today that does not play any homage, pay any homage to the Holy Spirit. It's like the third part of the Trinity they, they, they've just forgotten about. It, it would be... It would be like that, to me, like that beautiful 57 Chevrolet with the greatest tires and wheels on it and the nicest paint job and has no motor in it. The Holy Spirit is our motor. It's the power that we run on. We saw the story of Philip last week and how he was a man filled with the Holy Spirit and he was led by the Holy Spirit. In all of this, we know that as Christians, that we are, if we are to have a successful walk, especially in these times, we must be led by the Holy Spirit. It's a feeling that we must receive frequently. You're like an inner tube with a slow leak in it, and you get pumped up, and it leaks back down, and you think you're fine, and you're laying there flat. No, you need to come to God for the constant feeling of what He has for you. We've also learned that in order for there to be life, there seems to be this process of death. Turn in your Bibles with me to John 12, 20, please. John 12, 20. We're going to read verses 20 through 36 this morning. Now, there were some Greeks among those who were going up to worship at the feast... These then came to Philip. Now, this is the Philip, this is the Philip, the disciple, not the evangelist, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee and began to ask him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And Philip came and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip came and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them and saying, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and it dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life loses it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep life eternal. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now my soul has become troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Verse 28, Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came out of heaven, and I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. 
So the crowd of people who stood by and heard it were saying that it had thundered. Others were saying an angel had spoke to him. Jesus answered and said, this voice has not come for my sake, but for your sakes. Now judgment is upon this world now. The ruler of this world will be cast out. And if I am to be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto myself. Christ says, if I will be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. I think this is a word for the last 20 years in our churches that we've missed. We tend to get hung up with how to have church and why we should have great things going on so people will come in the door and be part of the family. And there's, there's really nothing wrong with that. Except for when that becomes the motive and that becomes the thing that we do to try to get people in the door so that our church can grow. We kind of rationalize it and justify it and pretend to ourselves that this is a good thing and they're coming in for God. But the, but the reality of it is they're six miles wide and a quarter inch thick. And when trouble comes, they collapse. And we see divorce and worse. And we talked about that. God doesn't hate divorced people. He hates divorce. He has a holy life for us to live. We sang about his holiness this morning. He is holy. He wants us to be holy. And to me, it's this simple. This is a very simple message. If Christ be lifted up, he will draw men unto him. If you lift Christ up in your walk and in your life, people will be drawn to it. You don't need to do the work. You don't need to run up to a chariot. The chariot will come to you. Verse 33. But he was saying this to indicate the kind of death by which he was to die. And we see this clearly. Jesus already knows he's going to be hung on a tree. He's going to be hung on a cross. He already knows this. And the crowd then answered him, We have heard out of the law that Christ is to remain forever. How can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? And again, I, I don't mean to keep quoting Pastor Bill, but it's what I do. Last night, he said, Do you know who you are? Do you know who he is? Can you tell anybody about him and who he is and why? The Son of Man must be lifted up. And they said, Who is this Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, For a little while longer the light is among you. Walk while you have the light, so that darkness will not overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he goes. While you have the light, believe in the light, so that you may become sons of the light. And these things Jesus spoke. And he went away and hid himself from them. Look at verse 23. Jesus says, the hour has come the Son of Man, for the Son of Man to be glorified. Jesus knows that his time is coming. His time is near. We know that the disciples say, no way, Lord, that's not going to happen to you. And he's telling them literally, get behind me, Satan. It is time. It is time for the Son of Man and my Father to be glorified. In verse 24, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And the heart of the lesson this morning is found in this verse, verse 24. That there, somehow there's this strangeness of death before there's life. If you walk in the Christian walk, you know that from yourselves. And we're going to talk more about that in a moment. But there has to be something that dies for something to live. I'm not proclaiming to understand all of that. But Jesus himself says it here. 
unless that seed is put in the ground and it dies, it can do nothing. But once it is put there and it dies and it grows, it bears much fruit. In verse 25, he said, He who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it to eternal, to life eternal. And again, people get hung up on this when he uses the word hate. It's, it's, it's a metaphor. What he's saying is, if, if you're 100% concerned about yourself, you're not going to get to God. If you love the Lord 100%, you're getting all of God. These things are not as complicated as we think they are. And Jesus says these things at Jerusalem. Keep in mind, he has already been to Bethany. And he has raised Lazarus from the dead. In fact, turn back a, a chapter to chapter 11. Let's just read this little scripture right here. We see here that he's been anointed by Mary who wiped his feet with her hair after she anointed him with oil. Verse 25 of chapter 11, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. Verse 26, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And so for some reason we've been talking about the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount and we're talking about Jesus and we're talking about getting back to fundamentals and that the, the church has kind of lost its way. It really has. We don't even understand the, the fundamentals sometimes of Christ and who he is. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life and he who believes in me will live even after he dies and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And as I look out today, I see a lot of church folk and I know you know this scripture. And I'm reminded of uh, during the time of 9-11 when, when Alan Jackson had that, had that song about remembering, about not letting us forget. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you guys remember any of that? And 9-11. And then, and then how often do we really think of 9-11? Listen, I'm not trying to glorify all that happened then. That's a, that's a worldly thing that happened with some, with some very bad people who did some very bad things. But you know, it's easy for us to forget things. It's easy for us to forget the fundamentals. I will guarantee you today there's going to be a game on television and somebody's going to get a penalty for jumping off sides because they can't do the fundamental and they're going to cost their team. Why? Because they don't remember? Because it's not important? And that's our message today. I'm going to preach at you and I'm not going to shout at you. But listen, church, we've got to get a hold of this. We must be rooted and grounded. I believe we're in for some hard times. But that's not a fear-mongering thing that I'm saying to you. We have the true goat, greatest of all time, Jesus. We have nothing to fear or worry about. God sees us through. But don't be naive and think this is going to be a cakewalk. There are times when your sea is going to be rough and your boat is going to be rocked. And Jesus is in Jerusalem and he says those things in John 11.25. And then he rides into Jerusalem on a donkey to shouts of Hosanna, Hosanna. And then he tells the disciples that he must die. And even the, the critics there are saying... Wait a minute, the king doesn't die? What are you talking about? He has to rebuke them and say, you don't know. 
I'm going to be hung on a tree. And Paul says this in Galatians to us. In Galatians 2.20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. We talked about that last night that, you know, Jesus is our example. He is the word become flesh. But when we look at scripture and we look at it as it's been given to us, and we look at the Hebrews and we look at the hall of fame of saints, and there are plenty out there, but a great model for us would be Paul. And Paul says, I need to die daily. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And how can a man who's been beaten and put in dungeons and eventually will have his head cut off be so optimistic and glorify the Lord and walk his life in victory because... He is crucified with Christ. And Paul says in Corinthians, I die daily. Turn with me to Mark chapter 15, if you will. Mark chapter 15. Hallelujah. We'll start in verse 16. Have you forgotten? Have you forgotten what the Lord has done for you? The soldiers took him away in the place that is called the Praetorium, and they called together the whole Roman cohort, cohort, cohort which is a legion or, of, of troops. So they have a bunch of troops there. They dressed him up in purple, and after twisting a crown of thorns, they put it on him. And they began to acclaim him, Hail, the king of the Jews. And they kept beating his head with a reed. Now this reed was probably a, a, a bound group of reeds that made somewhat of a rod, okay? And they're beating his head with this. And they're spitting on him. And they're kneeling and bowing before him. And after they had mocked him, they took the purple robe off of him and put his own garments on him. And they led him out. To crucify him. They let him out. They let him out. They pressed into service a passerby coming from the country, Simon of Cyrene, the father of Alexander, and Rufus to bear his cross. Verse 22. Then they brought him to a place, Golgotha, which is translated place of a skull. They tried to give him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided up his garments among themselves, casting lots for them to decide what every man should take. It was the third hour when they crucified him. It'd be 9 a.m. The inscription on the charges against him read, The King of the Jews. They crucified two robbers with him, one on his right and one on his left. We read in Isaiah that he was numbered with transgressors. The scripture is now fulfilled. He is numbered with transgressors. He is one of three men hanging on a cross at this point. And somehow when we see him there, we should have, we should have the mind, frankly, of Barabbas. Because that's where Barabbas was supposed to be. Now Jesus is there in his place. And that should be our heart. He is there in our place. 
Those passing by were hurling abuse at him, wagging their heads and saying, Ha, you are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days? Save yourself and come down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests also, along with the scribes, were mocking him among themselves and saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. Let this Christ, the King of Israel, now come down from the cross so that we may see and believe those who were crucified with him were also insulting him. When the sixth hour came, darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour. So darkness came in at noon and then at 3 p.m. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani? which is translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when some of the bystanders heard it, they began saying, behold, he is calling for Elijah. Someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed and gave him a drink saying, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and he breathed his last. And the veil of the temple was torn in two from top, to bottom. And when the centurion who was standing right in front of him saw the way that he breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the son of God. We see the story of the crucifixion, the mocking, the spitting, the hitting, the scourging. Then they put him on a tree. They put him on a cross and they crucified him. Can I share with you this morning if you'll just hear me, that Jesus didn't die on the cross. Now, before you run me out on a rail this morning, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. We read the story in verse 39. Luke 22 and 39. And he came out and proceeded as was his custom to the Mount of Olives. Is talking about Jesus. And the disciples also followed him. When he arrived at the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and began to pray, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Now an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. And being in agony, he was praying very fervently. And his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to disciples and found them sleeping from sorrow and said to them, Why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you may not enter into temptation. We know the rest of the story. Judas comes and betrays him. Look at verse 42 with me again. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but your will be done. To me, this is where Jesus died. He died to himself. And by doing so, he redeemed all of mankind by destroying sin because the Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. We sang that this morning. Jesus, Messiah. This is our example. This is our avenue to freedom. The way up is down. 
The way to wealth is poor. Everything is somewhat of an oxymoron. To live, we must die. And we, like Jesus, must die to self and say to God, not my will, but your will. Not what I want, God, but what you want. Not how I want to live, Lord. Not what I want to do. But what do you want from me? What do you want to do? We'll talk more in John how Jesus teaches about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit is our helper. We can't do this alone. It's our avenue to hear from the Lord. Not my will, but your will. Yes, they took our Lord and they hung him on a cross and they crucified him. Yes, the veil was torn and the earth shook. And yes, in his very words, he said, it is finished. But make no mistake, his agony was in the garden when he is praying fervently and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down on the ground. And he says to his father, not my will, but your will. It's not about me, God. It's about you. And at that very moment, God is in heaven saying, yes, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Now, the scripture doesn't say that. I added that in, but I believe that. And he sends his angels to attend him. And I'm here to tell you, God will send his angels to attend you when you're in the middle of that difficult decision. And we've also talked about this before, that we, you need to have the answer before the question is asked in your life. You need to know what you're going to do with temptation. You need to know where you're going to be when the enemy comes against you. And you need to have the answer ahead of time. And Jesus has the answer ahead of time. He knows he's going to go die on a cross. You've been thinking about it for months, maybe years. He shared it with the disciples. He ends up in the garden and he dies right there. He says, not my will, but yours. God says, yes, I am pleased. And just like Jesus taught us on the Sermon on the Mount, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, he now demonstrates it by laying down his life and laying down his will, dying for us. So what's that mean to us this morning? Well, I'm glad you asked. Sooner or later, everyone has to have a garden of Gethsemane. Sooner or later, in your Christian walk, you have plenty of of gardens of Gethsemane's. Sooner or later, you're going to get somewhere where you're going to have to make a hard decision and you're going to have to die to yourself in order to live for Christ. The problem in America is we honestly have it too good. We talked about tough times coming, but it's nothing like we probably had in the Great Depression. Those folks went through something. It's nothing like when these men and women go to war and see their comrades literally destroyed on the battlefield. We're in our cushy living room, and listen, when our heat goes out, we dial the number for the folks, and they have an emergency line, and they'll be there in a couple hours. Make sure you get warm again. True? God is saying to us, we need to be prepared. We need to be ready. He has more for us. There's going to be times that we must die to ourselves to live for Christ. When people see that life that we're going to live and that we live, they'll be drawn to it because if Christ be lifted up, he will draw all men to him. No smokes, no mirrors, no music, whatever. I'd love to come one day when there's just nothing but us and we're just fellowshipping and sharing Jesus. We don't need all this stuff. 
We've convinced ourselves we do. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw men unto me. Are we going to surrender ourselves to Jesus this morning and allow him to rule and reign in our lives? This isn't just about unbelievers. Listen, if you do not have a relationship with Christ, today is your day. I'm telling you, if God is convicting your heart to get your life right with him, please come forward this morning. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. Stick your hand up. Come up. It, it, it's not as scary as you think. But this is not just a message for unbelievers. Paul says he has to die daily. We are believers. We must put ourselves to death in the flesh if we want to live a victorious life. Will we choose to die to self today? As for me, I've had it both ways. And I know what I'm choosing. Listen, I'm not claiming I make it perfect all the time. You know me well enough to know. I mean, there's some guys that attend the men's group here that I'm in and they're going, oh my gosh, he's going to be in that pulpit again today. But it's okay because we're in it together. We're going to walk this thing out. But I've had it both ways. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. How about you this morning? Will you choose? Hmm. Well, if it's okay with you, I, I want to sing a song. Is that okay? I, I know uh, this particular song by Michael English, one of the greatest gospel singers of all time. But the words compel me, and I hope they do you this morning. And so I would like to encourage you this morning that this is a time that God wants to move in your life. And you're ready to mark it so with Super Bowl Sunday to say, God, I don't do well at dying to myself, but I want to start. Then I'm going to open the altar up. There'll be those that'll come up and pray for you, okay? A little unusual, but until God sends us our worship leader, we'll pinch hit. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Just focus on yourselves and your walk with the Lord this morning. Don't make this about me or the song even. Ask the Lord to speak to you. I dreamed of a city called glory so bright and so fair when I entered that gate I cried holy the angels Oh, men, me there. They carried me from mansion to mansion. And oh, what sights I saw. But I said, I want to see Jesus. He's the one who died for all. Then I bowed on my knees and cried holy. 
I cried holy Oh, I cried holy Yes I clapped my hands and sang glory Oh, glory to the Son of God Then I thought as I entered that city Oh, my friends, they all knew me well They showed me the streets of heaven Such scenes too numerous to tell I saw Abraham Jacob and Isaac I talked with Mark and Timothy and I said Timothy I want to see Jesus for he's the one who died I bowed on my knees and cried holy I cried holy I cried holy yes I clapped my hands and sang glory I sang glory to the Son of God I sang glory to the Son of God Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I can remember in about 19, maybe 87, riding down Route 13 in Seaford, headed south, and I was in the hammer lane, which is not unusual for me, and this song came on, and I got so overwhelmed with tears that I literally had to pull into the median to get off the road so I didn't run over anybody or hurt anybody, and that was a moment for me that I believe God was speaking to me and saying, I died for you, Tim. I died for you. So I'm not trying to entertain you this morning with a song. I hope it spoke to your hearts. And if anyone needs prayer, this altar is open. I pray that it never closed. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So this morning, I want to encourage us that even as uh, we have a lot of worldly events going on outside, and we intend to have family over today and have a great time. But there is nothing like Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Stand with me this morning. I want to dismiss you and bless you this morning. Hallelujah, Lord. Father, we want to see the one who died for us. 
And so, Lord, we yield ourselves to you this morning, and we pray, Lord God, that you will minister to us. We pray, Lord God, that you will speak to our hearts and that we will leave this building today with a message that we know that we've not been doing well when it speaks of dying to self. Lord, we know that we have few stories to tell because we're not living the life that you've called us to live. And Lord, we choose to be like Paul, who says, follow him as he follows you. We pray that you will speak to our hearts this very week, Lord God, that you will change our lives, that we will not forget what you have done for us, and that you will bring to our remembrance how we should have been on that cross. But instead, you are there. And so we bless you, Lord. Lord, I pray everyone in the sound of my voice be blessed, that their families be blessed to the, to the empteenth generation from them, Lord God, that they will see their walk and it will make a difference in their children and their children's children. We ask that we do this well, Lord God, just like we talked about. We get the fundamentals right and we be great at what we do, not because we want any glory, but that it brings the glory to you, God. So bless us this day. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. amen. We'll hug a neck before you go. Bless somebody. Amen. We'll see you next week. Bless you. Thank you so much for joining us for today's message. You know, we would love to invite you to come and visit us in person sometime. If you're ever in our area, you can find us at 415 Union Street in Milton, Delaware where we have prayer and worship services on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m., Bible study on Saturday evenings at 7 p.m., and a Sunday morning worship service at 10.30 a.m. We would love to minister to your children as well. We offer children's church during the adult service. Children are excused to go back to their classes right after the worship time. You can also find more information about us on the web at unionstreetmeetinghouse.org or on Facebook at Union Street Meeting House. So we look forward to sharing the message with you next week. Hope you'll return to this podcast. Thank you so much and God bless you.